century. Hello, and welcome to episode three of Three Times Faster, a Gundam podcast. I'm your host and Zoom City tour guide, Justin Meter, and joining me as always, my co-host, he's Nozaku boy, Nozaku, resident expert, Sean Fitzgerald. Hey, buddy. Hey, what's going on? Oh, you know, just sitting down, belly full of chicken and waffles. Oh, I have to take a nap. Yeah, that was a bad idea. That was probably a bad idea. We're let's, like, let's eh. eat bad food before we have to sit down and record for a few hours yeah. and just like, all right, let's show about the content. Let me keep this energy level a little low today. It's going to sound like a fat kid. Or it's not fatter than I already sound. <laughs> we got to get, we got to get uh, like a NPR thing going. Oh, hey, welcome today on this episode of Three Times Faster. We're going to talk about your sweaty balls. Wait, no, <laughs> no, it, it is warm. It's going it to it's, it's it heat up in here. Yeah. Like the cockpit of a Gundam on re-entry. I'm going to put the space ponchos on. <laughs> Keep us cool. <laughs> we are here to talk about Gundam. We are. More specifically, episodes 11 through 15 yeah. of Mobile Suit Gundam. So we start with episode 11. This one's called Isolina, Love's Remains. That's a stupid name. <laughs> <laughs> it's very deep. Yeah. yeah. And brooding. Yeah, this, some shit happens in this episode. Well, it does. Let's, let's, let's go into it. This one starts off with our first real view of the full principality of Xeon. Right. We're in space and there's O'Neill cylinders everywhere. Uh, we get finally a better idea of what side three actually looks like. Yeah, yeah. so the intro for this episode specifically kind of changes it up from the other ones where it kind of gives a brief outline of the last eight months. This one really dives into like who who the baddies are, the the, the Xeon, what they're, they're trying to instill, their dictatorship, you know, across the, the Earth sphere, yeah. if you will. And then we get a, a more in-depth look into the royal family, mostly because they are all mourning Garmin's death. They are. Starts off with Admiral Dozel Zabi, and he's uh, aboard his Musai, returning home for the first time in six months. Yeah, he's a he big says. boy. He is. He's a, a large fella. Would not want to meet him in a dark alley. His uh, face is a bit fucked. He looks like he got in a fight with a tiger. Yeah. Um, you should see the tiger. It looks like... It it's looks, fucking dead, it Sean. It looks like he took the brunt of a car bomb to the face. Because he did. Oh. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, so he makes a comment that he's been out for six months. So basically since the start of this war, he's been on the battlefield. And he's returning home to Zoom City. Mm-hmm. Where the, uh, the capital of Xeon is. And the dopest looking space castle. Mm. Yeah, it is pretty cool. We get in and it's Giran. And he's talking to his dad, daddy, daddy Degwin about Garma. Yeah. Degwin's a little upset still <laughs> about the death of his son. A little bit. A little, a little bit upset. Not handling it too well. And they're having a conversation about how they need to handle things. And Dozel and Kaecilia show up. Degwin and Giran are having a, a bit of a debate because Degwin, uh, the sovereign, leader of Dion and the Zabi family kind of wants to mourn peacefully and quietly with the family. He does not want to have a big grandiose. Right. And, and Giran being the um, propaganda minded individual that he is, mm. is very much like, nah, we got to put on a big old show. We got to capitalize on this opportunity right. to and, inspire the people. It isn't all right. I don't think he always says it in this scene, but he does. And in the next scene, like, yeah. no, we got to, Man, we gotta instill some hatred in the Federation with our people, and this is a great way to do that. And Degwin's like, fine, I guess. While they're having that conversation, Dozel and Kaecilia show up, 
And Dozel is also very distraught about the death of his. He talks about how his brother was supposed to become an admiral and give him orders someday. And uh, it's been robbed of his life too young. Yeah. Dozel's kind of a big, lovable idiot, though. He seems like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not, not necessarily the brains of the family. The brains of the family, uh, outside of Garen, just probably died. Garma. <laughs> oh, see, I, I, I would make an argument that it's Kaecilia. Uh, yeah, she's the, um, she's, she runs all the shadow ops. She's a stuff. conniving, she, yeah, she's conniving a, little snake, that one. Yeah, but Garma, Garma very much struck me as Degwin's little golden child, you know, after all these other fuck-ups. Yeah. Um, Garma's the one that was gonna really bring, uh, bring shit home for Zeon. Right. Which is probably why he's so distraught. He kind of just tells them, no, we're, we're taking a moment and we're praying for your brother. Yeah. And the scene just falls silent for quite a few seconds. Yeah. Then we cut to this beautiful blonde babe. You might remember her. She might look familiar. Oh, she's back. <laughs> back and better than ever. And she's hanging out with Lieutenant Dorota. And he's hitting on her very poorly. Yeah. He's he, like, oh, he comes in and, and he's like, hi, Selena. I'm Lieutenant Dorota. I used to serve directly with Garma. Yeah. So, hey, like, sorry about your boyfriend, by the way. By the way. Saw you at the dance. You could, were looking so fine. Couldn't stop staring at you. I mean, by that, uh, me uh, and the fellow officers were so captivated by your beauty. And even the look on his face, like, I fuck. Oh, fuck. How do I get out of this? Fuck. She's having none of this. She just, like, doesn't even reply. Doesn't She's even like, care. oh, my God. I'm so fucking She's over grieving. This. She's grieving. I'm so over this. Her one true love is uh, now uh, really dead. Don't worry. He's <laughs> been forever immortalized. Dorota takes Isolina to Garma's suite. <laughs> Fucking yeah, that's right. Where I wrote, why does Garma have a giant fucking portrait it's of himself? huge! It is. They walk in, and there's this giant painting in the scene. Mm-hmm. And at one point, Isolina is standing in front of it towards the end of the scene. And she, she comes come, up about to the top of the, bridge, his, of his the bridge of his nose yeah. in this portrait. It's just his face. It's just this huge portrait in his office. And that stupid smirk. He just wants I'm to, sure there's another version of it of him just him twirling his hair like he always did. <laughs> But the the scene's funny because they walk in like this is where Garma used to um, stay when he was remote on business, and the and the camera kind of pans to the room and the walls are crimson red. There's some ornate art pieces. Oh, it's very nice. It, it looks gonna... like you know a high end luxury kind of suite that yep. he's in. It, it pans over and then you see the massive painting. It's huge, and we both snicker at the same time because like why? Yeah. would you have a I painting don't... the size of okay. an entire wall? Okay, <laughs> not even that. Why would you have a painting of just yourself? Like, just your face. Yeah. Right? What kind of narcissist do you have to be? <laughs> you know, when it's, when it's late and I'm working, at, I'm reading over field reports and I just want to sit, take a sip, uh, sit back and light up a cigar, maybe pour a little uh, glass of cognac and really just take me in. I like to just, just drink it in, man. I like to just <laughs> take a look at the best person that I know, which is me. <laughs> and really speaks to uh, his narcissism. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, anyway, aside from that, I also noted that the portrait was slightly effeminate. Um, which I just, <laughs> Is he wearing yeah, eyeliner? Just, yeah, he's got, he's, he's, he looks good. At this point, Isolina, still very upset. She demands that Dorota bring her to Garma's ship because she's going to take revenge on the motherfuckers who done did him in. Um, yeah, and I'm shaking my head here because, like, he does. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's he's got the hot fur, so he's... I mean, at first he's like, wait, is that? are you sure that's what you want? And she's like, yeah. Yeah, it, the whole the whole thing is kind of weird because, like, as an officer, I don't think he would has the authority to take not just one but three gals. Yeah, on a on out. a revenge mission on a revenge mission from some civilian. Oh, don't worry, Sean. 
this whole arc of episodes is going to get weird. Zeon's very loose with their rules about who can fly on ships. Then we're on to White Base, and the olds are packing! The rent, oh my god. They're getting gone. Hit the bricks, Grandpa. Get to stepping. I'm so excited for this. I'm, I'm watching all the old... And they're excited, too. They're happy. The olds are packing their suitcases. We're going what, to Earth! What's left of the olds? Yeah. We got rid of, what, eight in the pre- previous episodes? Like nine, and then eight another, or nine, and then another set went, and then... so Yeah, there was there was that, and then there was the 35 or something. Or did that happen... I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember. There's it's all a blur. There's, there's too many of them. enough left where we're still going, still, hey, pack it up, old. I'm still annoyed. Fuck off this shit. <laughs> yeah. And then everyone panics because White Base gets a little bit of turbulence. Yeah, well, which kind of makes sense when you look at the aerodynamics of that giant brick <laughs> in the sky. Yeah. Atmospheric reentry, no problem. A little bit of wind. Ah! They, they really freak out about it. Yeah. It's, it's kind of funny. The scene changes to Amaro as he's repairing the Gundam. And he's showing Ryu that, oh, this Gundam has a yeah, really has a weapon in it that I didn't know was there. Really ham-fisted exposition to explain that, oh yeah, there's another toy accessory that we can sew on. The Javelin. The Gundam Javelin. Which looks fucking stupid. It's pretty dumb. <laughs> Not Gundam Hammer dumb, but dumb. But dumb. Yeah. It gets a lot of use in this episode, though. It's fucking stupid. It's pretty dumb. <laughs> you would have bought it as a kid. Oh, absolutely. Speaking of gows. Which we were. Here comes Dorota. We hear engineers on the bridge confirm three guys are coming. We we cut to inside the guys. It's Lieutenant Dorota and it's Selena pretending to play war. We cut back to the white base and Bright's like, we're so fucking close. Can we just uh, and then Aubrey's like, I'm gonna launch in Gundam and Bright's like I don't know about the turbulence. And then Amro has very much a snack kick. Well, actually, I think the turbulence will help me dodge yeah. their missiles. I don't know how. Yeah, I don't know how either. I feel like it would make you a lot less maneuverable, but okay. So Amro launches in Gundam and Ryo, for the first time in a mobile suit, launches in Gun Cannon and mm. handles it surprisingly well. Ryo's kind of a baller. Yeah. He's pretty good. Well, granted, he's the only one that has some sort of legitimate training, not much. But he does handle the first time in a mobile suit, which is very different, I feel, from a uh, fighter. Right. I mean, it's the same cockpit, but different feel. You know, yeah. It's not, a, it's not a fire plane. They Han- handles it pretty well. And they go out to uh, address the gals. Like, how do you do, sir? <laughs> Hello, we're here. <laughs> they land on the gal. Right. A little seesaw action. And manage. Yeah, that's yeah, that's right. What gun cannon lands on one side and it starts tipping and then Gundam lands on the other and it like balances it back out. Uh, Ryu manages to take out the turrets on the ship. Right after they land on it, and then they they blow a hole straight through that, and then jump off to another gal. Yeah, it's a comedy of errors because the one gal is aiming at them, ends up shooting it the other one down. Armoro goes over the Gundam, he grabs the rudder of one of the gals and like rips it off and throws it at the other one, and then he cut back inside the cockpit and like the steering wheel is like knocking the Xeon soldiers around. Yep, the whole thing's a mess. And of course, what mess would be complete without your boy Shar, yeah, who Char just shows up out of nowhere? He's like, "Hey, I'm here to give you a hand." <laughs> This is good, too, because like, hey, Char, I'm here to help you out. And Lieutenant Dorota, hey, Char, it's me, Lieutenant Dorota. I said, gr- and Char's like, I don't care. Yeah. Shoot for the co- shoot for the cockpit. He literally says, I don't care. Aim for the Gundam's <laughs> cockpit. It's on the belly. Then he has some more inner monologue. He's still hung up on this whole Garma thing. Like, He's it's like, the, it's the least I can do after what happened with Garma. Or maybe they'll just attribute this to my loyalty to Dozel. Right. Ooh. He's just having these, like, he's just going just, through the motions in his head. And I'm just sitting here going, this dude's a sociopath. Yeah, he's an absolute sociopath. The longer this goes, the crazier Char mm-hmm. seems to become. We're not even halfway through. Oh, man. I know. It's very exciting. Meanwhile, back on White Base, 
Sayla gets a message from HQ, and they're given rendezvous coordinates, but still nothing about being resupplied. And Bright is less than stoked about this. Yeah. He's like, what the fuck? They get, they get the coordinates. They also say something about in the bottom. Sayla's like, oh, they say something in the bottom about refugees. And they do. They're, they're ready to accept the refugees. So that's, that's right. So that's one, one weight off his mind, but he's also like, what, 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 what the fuck is going on? We find out in another episode we'll go over in a little bit what actually is going on, but at this point, we're kind of annoyed with Bright. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Who's running this war? More comedy of errors here. Haido's on the ship's guns, and he's trying to shoot Shar down because Shar is gunning for White Base, mm-hmm. readying a missile. And like a fucking idiot, he leaves the safety to the guns on. He's trying to shoot at Shar, and he's like, nothing's happening. Oh, I guess the safety's on. And by the time he takes the safety off, and starts shooting at Shar. Shar's already firing a missile at White Base. Yeah, it's like, he's like doing this weird like barrel roll, dropping a bomb. <laughs> yeah, under the like, port side engine. Yep, he manages to hit the port side engine, and White Base is going down hard. Buckle up, mm-hmm. as Bryce says. Everybody, everybody, buckle up because we're going down. The ship lands hard. Everybody's bouncing around. Bright gets thrown, but they land safely, ish, I guess. And Shar settles down nearby. And he gets out of his ship and goes over to take a gander at what's going on. And he starts to ponder what his plan of how, sh- how should I go about capturing the white base? It should be easy now that they've been disabled. Right. But, like, how, how do we go it about feels this? Like now that he's not trying to manipulate Garma into killing himself, he could actually do his job adequately. And he's trying to actually capture the white, not try to manipulate people into doing shit. He's just like, right. oh, yeah, now I can actually focus on doing the thing I'm good at. And that's winning. We cut back to Gundam and Gun Cannon, and Ryu almost gets blown off the back of one of the gauze. So they decide, hey, maybe this is a little too dangerous and we should get back on the ground. Isolina is not about to let them escape, so she orders the gauze to chase after them. Real weird that they're just totally taking all their orders from the yeah. c- civilian blonde girl. And they're like, okay, she's pretty, I guess. Oh, yeah, 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 sure, fire the cannons, I great, don't know. Great tactics, let's do this. The crew of White Base is checking out the status of the ship, and they all remark about how surprised they are about how well-built the ship is, because it's really not that damaged. Yeah, they've, they've collected themselves because, again, they went for a ride. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bright sends Sayla off to go check on the civilians, and a bunch of people come back in and say, hey, things are, the repairs are done, we're, we're good to go. Yeah, we're not bad. And then eventually Sayla comes running back in, <sighs> and they... Uh, all the old decide to leave. Jesus. They're, they're, they're taking off. They're just going off into the desert. There's a windstorm going on in the desert. Right. And the olds are like, we gotta go. So they take off. And Bright runs down the hall. And he starts yelling to them out the door. Where the fuck are you guys think you're going? Rouse there. Trying to keep him back. Hyatt's so like, this is, this is really dumb. Don't do this. But don't worry. Because Char loves the olds. Mm. And he unloads on them. <laughs> Taking a couple of them out, causing the rest of them to run. He just gives them little wet kisses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Char has no regard for human life, apparently. Bright Kai and Hayato go after him, but he manages to escape pretty quickly. He's Yeah. It's the red suit. He shoots like two, maybe three olds. Yep. And then takes off. That's like 300 points. <laughs> Something, like, Something that. like that. Takes off. Able to run three times faster because of the red suit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just as he's escaping, Gun Cannon and Gundam land nearby. Uh, then we're back with the zombie family. And Degwin is, he's playing a video of Garma. Is it a video? I think it's a video. He's playing a message. 
He's making like a video recording message, kind of like in the future phone calls. I see we're video phone calls. So it's essentially the video message. Like someone left a f- Garma left him a v- little FaceTime message about hey dad how the war's going. And- hey dad, it's your son Garma. <laughs> and Garma's explaining like he wants to make sure that he earns his promotion. Yeah, he, and wants, he doesn't want people to think that he gets promoted to admiral or whatever just he because wants he's to make his, He wants to make his dad proud. Yeah. Which is weird considering the episode beforehand where he's all like, I don't care about my dad if he says I can't marry you. I'm just gonna right. you. But now it very much shows a man who's like, no, I want to earn my way regardless of my family name. I don't want to just have people assume I made admiral because I'm your son. Yeah. Anyway, I'll see you soon. Right. Talk to you later, love. Kisses. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) They're pushing Degwin to plan a funeral. Giran really wants to pay tribute to Garma, mostly to incite the people. Right. Kind of get the Zeon population going against the Federation and inspire the war effort a little bit. Dozel, meanwhile, is intent on punishing Shar, who he blames for letting Garma die. Rightfully so. Right. Kasui's even on board with it. Like, can we do this later? Yeah. And then Degwin orders Dozel to demote Shar and relocate him. Mm-hmm. Because it's briefly mentioned in an earlier episode, but Shar actually reports to Dozel. Yes. Obviously, he reports to any of the zombies, but his direct chain of command is under Dozel. Yeah, Dozel's who he contacts in like yeah. the second episode or whatever it is when mm-hmm. he, he gets chastised for missing his own party. Right. Yeah. So the Gows have followed Gundam and Gun Cannon, and they're in trouble taking this kind of fire. The Gundam's shield starts to fall apart under the number of hits it's taking from one of the Gows. And Hayato, out of nowhere, saves the day. This is the first useful thing Hayato's done. Yeah. Pretty much. In Gun Tank. (laughs) And it's just long enough for Amuro to get on top of his second Gaw and unleash the Javelin. That's right. We finally get to see it in action. It looks so stupid. It's very dumb. So the second Gaw explodes, and I think... Dorota gets wounded. They, I don't know if they, they take shrapnel or yeah. something from the, the explosion of the second Gaw, but there's some damage incurred to the third Gaw, which is the one that has Dorota and Isselina on it. And he's like, ah, my arm, I can't pilot. And so Isselina's like, I'm going to take over. But they're going down. I'm going to take over. Civilian, daughter of some mayor, no piloting experience, and even a light aircraft. So don't worry, though. She doesn't need a whole lot of skill to crash into the Gundam, which is exactly what they do. This sends Dorota flying. It disables the Gundam. Amuro has to go outside. He says something about like the circuitry being damaged or something. Yeah. And Isolina's crying over the loss of Dorota, but gains her composure and she, she grabs his gun. And then she heads out to exit the Gaw to confront Amuro. And she yells at him, I take revenge for my love's honor! Which is like the weirdest thing you could possibly yell yeah, before you Am- shoot somebody. Amuro's like, who? What? Who? what? Revenge on who? me? Is she saying she wants to take revenge on me? But it doesn't matter because she's apparently, I don't know, just not graceful or something. This uh, is the weirdest moment. Yeah. She just takes a tumble. I sh- I think it's assumed that she slips. However, nothing in the animation nope. shows that she slipped. She just fell because, I guess, grief. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> she starts to take a tumble and fires off the gun in the air. Ah! And then she has the most graceful landing on her head that anyone has ever taken. Like She, she blanks. Vertical. She doesn't crunch or anything. She doesn't collapse. She's straight vertical for a a good two seconds, and then she falls down. Her neck doesn't break. No. It's and we did math. I know it's I know it's a kid show, but I looked over at Sean when we were watching this and I was like, there'd be a lot of blood if that happened. Like her spine would have just 
cracked all the way through her 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 back like it would have been a mess yeah so we we paused we looked at each other we did that we, how far did she fall we we needed to do a little bit of math to <laughs> so, figure out what exactly happened so according to the gundam wiki for the listing on uh gal assault cruises what are, what is it called aca.01 gal is roughly 72 meters in height which is almost 240 feet Pretty much. Considering the, the nose of the gal, a good chunk of it is in the earth, it's safe to say she fell 200 fucking feet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a long way to fall. Yeah. The kind where you fall and your body doesn't remain fully intact. No. But, hey, kid show, right? <laughs> so, she's gone, I guess. I don't know. And Shara's like, back in his ship, sees that the other gals have all been blown off, and he goes, we just can't rely on anybody, can we? And then, we finally learn... I don't know if this is the first time it was mentioned, but I, I was so I don't excited. Remember, but it's the first time that it clicked. Yeah, it's the first time that I noticed. The guy who's always hanging out with Shar, his name is Dren. Yeah. He's like always his, always his co-pilot. Or, Char, Char's number two. His name is Dren. Yes. And, and he looks over at Dren and he says, hey, let's just lie and tell him my mobile suit wasn't working. Dren gives him a look too. He's like, I'm kind of sick of your shit, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Dren's like, I'm loyal to you, but you're really bordering on some treacherous shit here. Like, <laughs> he's probably suspicious about Garma's death if he doesn't flat out know that Shar set him up. Like, right. I wonder what kind of promises in the background Shar has made him. Like, don't worry, when I'm, when I'm ruler of the world, you'd be my number two. <laughs> then we're back on White Base and a bunch more of the olds leave, thank God. At this point, any and all civilians that want to leave are leaving because Federation vehicles have showed up to pick them up. Meanwhile, Amaro, Hayato, Kai, the entire crew are digging graves, which is morbid. But Amaro, the entire time, is like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> he is kind of like... The last sequence of events, very weird. Yeah, this blonde woman came out of a ship. She wasn't wearing a uniform. She yelled something at me about revenge. Then she fell to her death. I don't... And now I'm burying her with Kai. I don't know. This is the only time that Kai doesn't have any sort of snarky remark. He just starts burying a Selena. And the episode ends. Yeah, I made a remark about Kai later on. Like, how many different scenes do you think he's in where he's just sarcastically standing in the background? And I think I said all of them except that one. Yeah. <laughs> then we're on to episode 12, The Threat of Zeon. This episode starts off with the crowd kind of booing the death of Garma. I don't know. Yeah. That's what I inferred. They're they're waiting for Degwin Zabi to show they're up. They're cheering or Maybe they're getting they're impatient. They grab that painting out of Garma's room. It's, <laughs> no. it's on display. No, it's a, it's no. a much bigger painting. I know. Somehow, somehow they've managed to come up with a much larger painting because this one is like the size of a small house. Yeah. It's just like, it's in the front of the palace. I mean, it's often that, you know, at a funeral, there'll be like a painting or a photo or something of a, no, it, of a deceased. But this is the scene is very much uh, meant to invoke some sort of like dictatorship. Yeah. Parade, funeral, what have you. I mean, this is a this is a state funeral. Right. Essentially, it's hey, we're, we're putting on a show for the masses here, just like Garen wanted. This is when Degwin is listening to the message from Garma. Is it? Yes. OK. So Degwin's kind of moping around. And he's, he's sitting and he's listening to a, a video message from Garma where Garma was basically saying like, hey, I don't want everyone to think that I got promoted just because I'm a zombie and right. wants to make him proud and whatever. And Kaecilia shows anyway, up. Anyway, yeah. I'll see you soon, Dad. Yeah, Love, thanks, loves Dad. and kisses. <laughs> okay, goodbye. No, you hang up. No, you hang no, up. No, you. No, you hang up. Why? I, you're my son. Why are you doing this? Also, this is a pre-recorded video. <laughs> so weird. It's like a, it's like. A Michael Scott right. recorded video. Hey, 
just wanted to call you, wish you a happy birthday. <laughs> it's not like, oh, I thought we had the same birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much. And Kaecilia shows up and she's like, dad, get your shit together. Like the, you've got royal duty and there's all these people outside and they're, they're getting angry. You gotta, yeah. you gotta go talk to the people. She, she does come in. She's like, I know you're sad, but none up. Yeah. Dad, get your shit together, dad. Okay. <laughs> And so they they go out and take the stage and they they the crowd starts chanting Zabi over and over again. Then we meet Ramba Raw. We do. We cut to uh, another ship on Earth. Older dude, Ron Swanson looking dude. Oh, my God. With a mustache. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> That's who I. Ramba Raw. Nick Offerman. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ramba Raw. <laughs> Nick Offerman <laughs> could play him in the Gundam movie. Oh, absolutely. Oh, man. But yeah, we have a uh, Ramba Ron. And no, he, there's a sniveling little rodent of a man. <laughs> He's scanned a, a battleship and he can't find it in the database. So he doesn't know what it is. Yeah. Is this the white face? And then there's another chick there. Another another lady. Who's like, oh, is this our time to avenge Garma's death? She's not in uniform. Again, just some random civilian. Well, we find out. Not not so random. That's Rawl's wife. Yeah. That's Hammond. Sean, uh, what's the deal with just bringing your civilian lady friends on board ships? Apparently in the future, <laughs> to ensure that you don't leave grieving widows at home, you just bring your wives along. I guess. <laughs> I've noticed that so far, Kaecilia is the only female member of the Xeon army. And I'm assuming it's because she has red hair. Probably. <laughs> because the only other female officer, legitimate female officer, not a civilian that was conscripted on the white base, is Ben Matilda, Matilda, right? And she also has red hair, so I'm mm, assuming it's okay. only chicks with red hair. Oh, uh, okay. Maybe that's why there's so few of them, because it's the future and they've the recessive gene has been bred out. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it's just so weird to me that it's just this lady just yeah. on the ship. I mean, they act like she is second in command. They give her the, the same amount of respect they give Rawl, and it's kind of weird. You notice it, yeah? Huh? Okay. In the same way that Dorota was subordinate to Isolina, yeah. They're just, just like just weird. And I think it's weird for us having seen more modern depictions of war, even fictitious ones where, you know, everyone has to obey the chain of command and all this other lovely military stuff. Just to have these two civilians just command specifically uh, Hammond here. Just, we see later as she's telling people to retreat from the battle theater. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very formal. We're on white base again. Frabo is trying to feed Amaro again. They go into Amaro's yeah. quarters. I almost said cell. It looks like a cell. It kind of does right. a little bit. Yeah. yeah, it's very dark. Yeah, all the lights are off. He's on the floor. He's he's fixing the Gundam spare computer because he doesn't want the same thing that happened earlier to happen again, or it just fritzes out. Right. Um, but he's very sullen. Even Haro's like, "Uh, your brain waves low, bro. You look sad, Amaro." And Fro's like, "Just leave him alone." Yeah, come on. At this point, she's robot. she's trying to feed him, and also knows like he's gonna give her shit, so he she just leaves. But to my surprise, he's like, oh, she's right. I should eat. And he eats. He eats and the camera pans to his face as he's eating what, I don't know, appears to be like a white cake or something. I'm assuming a sandwich. Yeah, I don't know. And he just looks dead. Like mm. it's it just he's unflinching. No facial movement. Nothing. Just chewing on that food. But he doesn't seem he doesn't seem present as what as how I wrote it. Right. Right. He's his head someplace else out on the bridge. The kids show up. <laughs> with like a vacuum or something as they are want to do mm-hmm. they're trying to help with repairs they're being they adorable are. they are being cute and apparently bright is very tired too or he's hangry the whole crew is kind of at their wits end at this yeah. point and hey, we got way more to go so buckle up right 
but even Bright snaps at them. He does, and he causes Kika to cry. This is a bridge on, on a, and he's got a point. This is a bridge on a military ship. Why are there kids here? Yeah, why are you playing here? <laughs> and the kids are like, we're not playing, we're trying to help. And Mira is like, hey, what's that? Should calm the fuck down a little bit. Thumb? Yeah, Bright goes like, goes to his He's like, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to take a break. I need a break. And apologizes <laughs> to the kids on his way out. He, he sits down. He's like, oh, Mirai comes in. <laughs> yeah, this is super funny. Yeah, Mirai comes in and Bright's like, what is it? Oh, nothing. I know what you're going to say. Well, I'll just say it then. <laughs> <laughs> it's super weird because who, it's who, like they're already married. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Who opens the door and they're like, hey, what can I do for you? Nothing. Isn't that like a kind of a conversation ender right there? Like, yeah. okay, cool. Then why are you yeah, here? Why, could, you go? you? could you go? Could you go? Could you go? I said, I'm going to take a break alone. I was implied. I'm starting to get the impression that maybe they share a quarters. But don't worry. The awkward scene gets interrupted immediately by Sela, who's like, hey, uh, there's like Xeon reentry capsules hanging out nearby. I don't know what, what's going on. So Bright's got to go uh, deal with that. Fuck. Yeah. He literally had like two seconds to sit in that chair. He, sip, he, he sits down his uniform. He zips it right back up. Yeah. He's like, I got to do my belt back up. Uh. We cut back to Garma's funeral. Guns are going off, saluting him. And Kaecilia asks about Char. Like, well, what, where did Char end up? Garen says he's been sent home. She kind of motions to one of the royal guard over to her and they whisper something back and forth. But we don't know what. Then the scene pans back to White Base and they're experiencing lightning. This is a fun scene, too. Everyone on both sides are freaking out. Yeah, the kids think it's some sort of Xeon weapon. Yeah, Frau's like, it's a new Xeon weapon. Don't worry about it. Our will protect yeah. him. Yeah. Our god, 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 we'll take care of it. Everything will be fine. Yeah. Cuts to the Xeon show. Oh my god, this has <laughs> got a new weapon. And, yeah. and Raul is the only one who's been on Earth. I've been to Earth before. This is a natural occurrence. It's lightning, you morons. Yeah. It's just lightning. <laughs> That's all it was. But when Amaro looks at the lightning, all he can see is Isolina dying. Yeah, it triggers some like PTSD flashbacks. Yeah. And Amaro's in a bad way. He's not doing not do- well. He's not doing well. He's, he's continued to take a beating from, from this war. So White Base needs to land in this storm. They gotta continue repairs. Which I thought the ship was fine, but whatever. They repair something. And Mirai makes a, a, a little bumpy landing here on the coast. She, she navigates pretty well in between some rocks. And yeah. I don't know why they chose to land where they did, but whatever. It fit like OJ's glove. (laughs) (laughs) If it does not fit, you must quit. Bright orders gun tank, gun cannon, and Gundam on standby. And Ryu ends up in Amuro's room because he doesn't show up. Yeah, he's trying to collect Amuro. And Amuro's just, he's out of it. Yeah, there's a great, almost creepy scene where Amuro's just on his bed. And it's just the whites of his eyes. The way they've chosen to animate that he's zonked out, zoned out. It's just they just did not draw like the, like his computers. eyes rolled in the back of his head yeah, or something. It's just, it's just stark white. The room is dark. He's huddled on his bed. The only light in the room is like the monitor behind the bed, and he's just like staring off in the middle distance. Again, no pupils in his eyes. And right. Real comes in is like, oh, dude, oh, you're not doing. Oh, come on. And this is what we get. Slap number six. The six slap. Again, this is like the the first slap where. Amaro's trying to snap Frabo yeah. out of out of shock, right? This is this is not a correction. This is a hey, wake the fuck up! Yeah, like we on, gotta go, on. we gotta go, we got shit to do. Rambaral is in pursuit. They're checking out White Base, and Amaro's trying to suit up. Ryu's literally dragging him. Yeah, he he makes a comment about his helmet being suffocated. I'm fine. I'm fine. Oh man, he I put, can't breathe. Yeah, Amaro puts his breathe. helmet on, and he's like, something's he's, weird. He's sweating. Ryu is dragging him along back to the hangar. Like we we got we gotta go. Yeah, we got shit to do. Bright comes on the comm and is like 
what the fuck is taking so long? <laughs> and Rio's like, uh, Amro's, what did he say? Battle fatigue? He says, uh, yeah. Yeah, he says, or, he says he has battle fatigue. I, I, I'm, I wrote this, Amro's got that rookie syndrome. I think that was what was written in the subtitles. It might be. Yeah, so Rio says he's got battle fatigue. I've seen it a lot happen with the new guys. Right. Probably what translated into rookie syndrome, but like he's just, he's not in a good way. No, he's not. Um, Bright doesn't give a fuck, launches him out. Ryu props Amaro yeah. up in Gundam's cockpit. Like he, he literally just like puts him in and goes, okay, buddy, here you go. I'm going to put your hand <laughs> on the wheel. We're go- you got to go. Yeah, Bright, Bright, Bright yells, get him going. Yeah. And then they just launch him. They just, he's like not responding. There's, and they're a, just yeah, like, there's right. a moment where Sailor, cause they have to confirm the launch. Right. So Sailor's like, all right, Amaro, are you there? Yeah, I'm Amaro. Gundam launching. I can't hear you. I said I was launching. And Bright said, "Just launch him. Yeah. Just, just launch Hit him. Hit the button." <laughs> so he he gets launched, and that that wakes him up. But he lands pretty hard. And this is where we're introduced to Rambaral's mobile suit and the Goof Troop. <laughs> I'm laughing because I read the I'm reading the note for the first time here. So we have uh, the Goof Troop. Yep, which consists of two Zaku's and Rambaral, which is. In Nozaku, boy. No, Nozaku. He's in a goof. He's in a goof. Which is the first time we're seeing this mobile suit is a bright blue. Yep. It looks very similar to a Zaku. It's got some spikes on it. In a lot of ways. It's got the fin that Shar Zaku has, Mm -hmm. the little commander fin. That makes it more aerodynamic. But some of the features are a little more pronounced. So it's got spikes on both shoulders. They're curved on the top. The center spikes are curved up. The piping's a little more pronounced, a little more angular. The cockpit itself looks like it has actually a, gr- a orange visible screen in it. The whole thing just looks a little more aggressive. It's got a rad ass shield, and then we find out that it also has an interesting new weapon: the heat rod. The heat rod, and I'm assuming again this is another toy that they were able to sell. So I think just more. They had to recall them because they caught on fire. But yeah, <laughs> but just a more aggressive looking and angry looking Zaku. Yeah, this it's weird that this is called the heat rod because it's really more of a whip and it seems to be shooting electricity. Yeah. So I don't know if that's a translation thing or whatever, but Amuro lands hard in Gundam after getting catapulted out and it wakes him up and he, he manages to stand up, but he gets thrown back immediately by this heat rod. He sees the goof for the first time and Bright also notices that this is a mobile suit that they have not seen before and he's surprised by it as well. So he orders Ryu and Kai to cover Gundam. Amaro's just off in this entire fight. Yeah. He cannot hit anything. He he starts to take some shots and he misses everyone. He just starts getting lit up. Mm-hmm. And Rambaral orders one of the goof troop, Akus. Mm-hmm. He says, Akus, throw the cracker. Yeah. Right. Which is a great line. <laughs> but it's this cool grenade that yeah, like they, it blows no, up in midair. So Akus just picks up this white guy and just throws him. <laughs> <laughs> no, the other cracker. <laughs> he throws this grenade. It explodes in midair and like shoots like bolts out of it. It looks pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's neat looking. And of course, that also you know causes Amaro to stumble back because this is a weapon that he has not seen before. Rambaral then manages to get the heat rod wrapped around the bazooka and just ruins it. Ruins it. Amaro or, or the Gundam, whoever is more in charge at this point, right. is able to block it. Raw makes a comment like, okay, this guy's pretty tough, but how come the bazooka didn't, like, take him out? Yeah. <laughs> All the ammo in the bazooka also exploded. Right. Amuro loses his shit here. Mm-hmm. He loses his shield to the heat rod. He just runs in. He does that, like, it's, you know that scene in A New Hope where Chewie and Han Solo are just running at all the stormtroopers, mm-hmm. and then the stormtroopers are like, 
hey, wait a second. And they turn around and then they're running ah! level. It's literally that scene, right? It's like. This isn't the first time our, uh, Armour has done this when he's just like freaked out no, and charged in. Yeah. Uh, we saw that episode. Of, was it last set of episodes where he I charged so. in? We had some great, great gift material. Yep. <laughs> where he's just yes. running in and waving the sword around That's and right. stabbing bitches. Like, ah! He does that again, but he's more battle fatigued this time, so it's way less effective. Yeah. Yeah, it's way less effective. He, again, immediately loses his shield to the heat rod. He takes out his beam saber and enters a, what I, I wrote as a test of strength with Rambaral, right? <laughs> like, he's got the beam saber, Rambaral's got his shield up, and they're just struggling. And that's when Rambaral remarks, this is no Zaku, boy. No Zaku. Mm, very famous line. Yeah. So he's, like, implying, hey, you're not, you're not just going to take me out like you, you have with all these other. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is a goof. The, the translation is kind of funny because uh, the subtitles said, this is Nozaku, my friend. <laughs> Nozaku. But I believe the line I like is, boy. Yeah, boy. That's, boy makes more sense. It, it sounds more condescending. Yeah. You know, plus it kind of reminded me of God of War. <laughs> a little boy. bit. Boy. Then, for some reason, Ramba Ra orders a retreat. Uh, uh, like, I guess gun cannon and gun tank are, are being effective for once, and they're lighting up the battlefield, at least making it difficult for the other Zaku. To do anything. Yeah, I, I think I said this was more of a tactical retreat. Yeah, and and thank God for that, because Amuro, again, has not done shit this entire fight. Like, he just cannot handle it. And this is what I remarked earlier. Hammond's on the bridge of, of Raw ship, and there was, at a certain point, another sh- a ship flying around offering support. And this is where she's like, the other ship says, they're out of fuel, they can't offer support anymore. And she's like, all right, well, retreat from the battle theater and we'll join you shortly. Yeah. <laughs> she, she, she orders that they turn on the blinding floodlights and point, point them, yeah. Yeah, and point them at white base so, while the Zanzibar takes off. We're back at Garmer's funeral. Girin is speaking to the crowd now, and he's talking about how their war against the Federation is righteous. Yeah, it very much reeks of propaganda, fascist dictatorship. Yeah, this speech. is, yeah. they're definitely in wow. this scene... Yeah calling on like images of Hitler, Stalin, like that kind of yeah. that kind of imagery. And then we notice that this is being broadcast on TV and they're watching it on White Base. Mm-hmm. And Bright remarks that this is it's ridiculous. This is nothing more than propaganda. But then tells Ryu and Amuro they should watch because they could learn a lot from it. And Amuro makes some comment like, this is our enemy. I think it kind of strikes a little fear into him because the the crowd gets very riled up. They yeah. They start chanting Hail Zeon. He's still trying to process what's been happening over the last yeah. month and a half, I'm assuming. He's trying to process what happened with Selena the other day when she just No one has any idea. Fell. Yeah. <laughs> I still don't know. The coroners are examining, but he's strung out, he's washed up, he needs to sleep, and he needs some therapy, and he's still trying to process all this, and now he's seeing what has been classified as the enemy just spouting this rhetoric. And he's just, I don't, what, what, who am I even fighting? What is, yeah. what, what am I fighting for? Who am I fighting? Why am I fighting? Everyone's watching this funeral. White Pace is watching it. Ramba Rawl is on his Zanzibar. They're watching it there. And then we cut to what appears to be like a hotel bar or something. Yeah. And there's a man taking a drink and he's watching Garmer's funeral and makes some remark about it. And then another man sits down next to him, pays for the drink, says that one's on me. And then we pan out and see, this is Char. This is absolutely Char. This is Char and his cool, yeah. his cool Char, 80 Char makes, sunglasses. Char makes a comment about how Garmin's a spoiled yeah. brat anyway. We know it's Char. We hear his voice. He's in an amazing white, like, Bermuda suit. Mm-hmm. 
He's on vacation. He's on man. vacation. He's got he's got the shades he's on. on he's inside. On, inside. He's on administrative leave, more than likely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but one of Cassilia's men have found him. We don't know what that means yet. But this is clearly what Caecilia was talking to that royal guard about was like, hey, go find Shark. Yeah. I heard he was sent home. Yeah. So he said, You're one of uh, Cassilia's men, right? This is what Char says. Yeah. And, that obvious, huh? That obvious. Yeah. Well, it smells like it's you. So. Yeah. yeah you, you smell like her. It was almost like, yeah, you're wearing a cheap suit. Of course it's you. <laughs> right. That's the end of that scene. We're back on White Base, and Frabo is comforting Amaro, telling him that she was so worried. And he's actually nice to her in this scene, which is uncharacteristic of him. He kind of puts a hand on her to comfort her, like, hey, no, it's you're doing a great job. Everything's cool. I'm good. Don't worry. And then we're back watching the end of Giren's speech, and the translation to this is Sigzion, which Sigzion, it's a Zigheil, Zigzion. I think it was probably softened in the in the translation. In the translation when yeah. it came out to Hail Zion, uh, mostly not to like lean that hard into Nazi imagery. You'd um, think though, this is this comes to the United States in two thousand, mm-hmm. so that's when that translation is done. But this was not nearly as far removed from World War Two. I mean, 79, I guess, is, you know, still some years, but 35 or whatever, 34. Uh, but just interesting, though, that they continue to go. They're, they're very much driving home the point, oddly, that Zeon is a dictatorship. They're fascists. You can they, make, they're, they're making the, the Nazi parables You can here. make the comparison that, obviously, Zeon, Nazi fascists, Federation, the Allied Powers, and the civilian. They're America. That's why they're red, white, and blue. I'm right. <laughs> And the civilians that are caught in the middle, the story's about them. Yeah. Both sides suck. I don't want to say both sides are the same, but both sides suck, and it sucks the most for people caught in the middle. Yep. Everyone on White Base looks concerned at this. It's not just Amaro anymore. And as the ship takes off into the sunset, all we hear are the chants from the funeral. And that's the end of the episode. Hey, Sean, you know what I think everyone could use at this point? A little vacation. A little vacation? Yeah. Maybe a little beach day? White Base is going on vacation. Good. Episode 13, coming home. Subtitled, Aloha Bitches. (laughs) We cut to a beach. We see the crew. Haido and Ryu are doing, appears to be judo. Not a martial arts expert, but typically when I see a little man throw a bigger man, I go, oh, that's judo. The kids are swimming. Mirai and Sela are working on their tans. Mirai could use a little color, I'm not going to lie. She (laughs) she looks kind of sickly in some of these episodes. And then the scariest sight comes over, and it's a shirtless Kai. Hey, what you guys doing over here? You, you, uh, you see Amaro? Yeah, the angle's worse, too. And then we cut out. Yeah. We, we zoom out, and we're like, oh, he's in a very tight shorts. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, oh, boy. Okay. Well, that's, it's the 70s. Hard to stand sarcastic in that, huh? Yeah. <laughs> he's got a sweet-ass boombox in he his hands. He's looking for Amaro, and Mirai says, hey, uh, we're not far from his hometown. He went, he went to go see his mom. There's a conversation. It's not really important. Kai makes some snide remark about Amaro being elite because he has a home on Earth. It's very, it's very elite. He's not a. And that's the notion that has been presented earlier. People who lived on Earth and who were able to stay on Earth are the elite, the one percent, if you will. Most people were forced to migrate to the colonies. We send the poors to space. Get off this rock. <laughs> so then we see Amaro, and he can clearly see his house off in the distance, and he decides, "I'm going to book it. I gotta. I suddenly I feel the urge Mom! to run." I feel the urge to run. And he, he gets up to the front porch and there's some music playing. And he's like, that's weird. And he looks in the window. And there's a su- bunch of drunk ass Federation soldiers. Some sweet ass space jazz and yeah. some drunk ass Fetty soldiers. Just hanging out in his house, just getting hammered. 
throwing bottles everywhere. He busts in the front door. He turns her music off. He's like, this is my house. The drunkest guy responds. Uh, I'm sorry. I was abandoned. Right? He's just hammered. hammered. This, this one guy, he's in, he's in the chair, just like, oh, it's empty. He throws a bottle. Amara's opening doors. Mom? Yeah. Mom, you home, Mom? And another and drunk they just guy start, comments like, your mom's not here. There was no one here. It was abandoned. It was abandoned. Hey, and then this is a weird disparity between the translation and, and we were in the subtitles. So the guy says, hey, maybe she ran away, but the subtitles is far more cruel. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Hey, maybe she died running away. Yeah. Like, Whoa. Whoa, buddy. Whoa, buddy. Did you really need to go there? Who hurt you? <laughs> yeah. It's a little dark. He's calling out for his mom and they just all start laughing. I'm like, oh, he doesn't believe me. He starts to head out of the house and he notices there's like this little wooden figurine doll thing that I'm assuming like maybe he made or was maybe, given as a kid. I don't know, but it triggers a flashback scene of Tam and Ray leaving and Amaro's mom's like, I can't live in space. And Tam's like, you, you sure? Because like, like I, the, the, I, I the gotta colonies take- are like really well built and I got Amaro has to see this shit. She can't do it. Cut to her kneeling down and giving him a ton of kisses. Amaro is a kid who's like not having it. Like, eh, okay, what up, mom? Stop. Just ugh. He hasn't seen her in what has it been nine years or something? It's been the hottest of minutes. Yeah. So <laughs> he was a little kid. Yeah. She doesn't really give a reason. I don't know if she's just afraid of space or yeah, she's just like I don't think I could ever live in space. I'm yeah. so sorry, Amaro, my baby. I can't do it. But she lets him go mm-hmm. with his father, which is a weird thing for a mother to do, honestly. Mm. Amaro leaves the house, and he spots a lady in a, with a cart. She's selling apples, and there's a couple of Federation soldiers, and they're eating the apples but not paying her. She's, like, begging them to pay her. This is the only way we make money, please. Please pay. Please. And, pay. and then one please of the... <laughs> please. <laughs> My family will starve. We only have apples to eat. We're very tired of them. <laughs> That's why we sell them. One of the soldiers goes to pay, but he throws the coin on the ground. Like, kind of just treating her like trash. Mm-hmm. And Amaro is like, you pick that up. You pick it up and you hand it to her. He's like already angry. He, he yeah. just went to his, his home. Mom's not there. A bunch of other Federation soldiers are drunk and they've trashed the place. He sees this shit. Not having it. The woman goes to pick it up. He's like, no, you leave that. You make him pick it up. And he storms over and he just decks the guy. Because the, the soldiers are like, what the fuck? Are you yeah, doing? he gets into a scuffle yeah. immediately. It isn't long before that soldier realizes, wait, this is a kid. I can, yeah. I can I'm win gonna... this fight. And he starts getting on top of Amaro and beats the crap out of him. Yeah, the, the other guy jumps in, helps. Yeah. But the woman recognizes that who this kid is. She does. She recognizes Amaro as the childhood friend of her daughter. And she starts to explain to him after she breaks the fight up. Yeah, she gives the money back. Just leave him alone. Yeah. Mm. Take the money. Just leave yeah. him alone. She explains to him that her husband and daughter are gone. So she's a, a widow. Which is very sad. Yeah. And Amaro. Also very sad. He's also very sad because he <laughs> doesn't know where his mom is. Right. Yeah, I, he, I assume he probably assumes the worst when he comes to his house and the soldiers inform him that it's been abandoned. Yeah. But the woman's like, so you don't know that your mom's working as a volunteer at the local refugee camp? And before over, she could say anything else. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, I totally. He lights up and just takes off. Well, not even that. It's like, yeah, the refugee camp over near that church. Do you, do you know the church? Yeah. Well, your daughter used to give me hand jobs because of school. Yeah. <laughs> we were good friends. We were really good friends. No. But he takes off. He takes off running because mom's not dead. This is very exciting. So he takes off back towards his core fighter and flies towards, because apparently it's not far enough to just run to. So he takes off running back. I'm to the not core walking to church. <laughs> okay. 
So he flies the core fighter to the camp. He lands. A bunch of people see and they're like, oh, this is not great. Guy comes up and is like, hey, you Federation with the Federation? Cool. Um, There's a Xeon camp nearby and they make routine stops and like, can you just hide the core fighter? Yeah, what if uh, this giant red, white, and blue airplane wasn't in the middle of our lawn? Yeah, can, you, know? you, can you hide it? Move it, please? And say, oh, yeah. Armor, totally understanding. Okay, I'm going to go hide it. Then you hear, Mom, and they run, hug it out, tears. You hear a guy say, This must be your son, huh? <laughs> no, I don't know. No, I don't know who this is. I just met him. And then the other guy's like, Yeah, really gonna need you to cover this. Yeah, shit. Could you could you please move the fighter? Please? <laughs> Remember we said that? Really gonna need you to cover this. Yeah. <laughs> so in the next scene, Amaro gets tucked into bed by mommy. They're in sort of like a like a sick bay, like makeshift hospital something. Yeah, they're like in a hospital tent. She starts asking him about Tem, his dad, but before he has any time to answer, I think she can kind of tell from his expression, like, I don't know where he is. Spoilers. He's in space. Yeah, I couldn't tell if she knows, though. I don't know if she knows. The, the well, way he, he, he still doesn't know. He doesn't know, and he, she makes the lines, like, so you don't know that Tem, and then, like, pauses and, like, is all teary-eyed for a minute. Either way, their reunion is over pretty quickly, because remember how the olds are like, hey, there's Dion soldiers that patrol. Surprise! They're here. They saw the fighter. You know, because it's huge and bright. Then the scene changes, and we're out on Hot Dog Patrol. <laughs> I don't know why the Xeon group is named Hot Dog Patrol, but our boy Ryu is hungry. And Ryu really gets to demonstrate his skills in the core fighter here. He does. He's uh, quite the pilot. I'm a, I'm a Ryu fan. Normally more of a Ken guy, but in this case, Ryu. Is Ryu a wizard? Summon Fireball. He could be. <laughs> he could be. If there's one thing I know about Ryu, he loves hot dogs. and he starts lighting up Hot Dog Patrol. <laughs> just, just. I'm just going to keep saying it because that's what they call them, man. <laughs> he realizes pretty quickly, though, he's leaking fuel. So he has to return back to yeah, White Base. He, he can't confirm the kill, which Brian's yeah, like, so he, kind of annoyed with. But like, he I takes mean, a couple of the fighters out, but there's, there's one that gets away. He's yeah. like, I shot him, but I don't know if he went down. But I have to come back because right. I'm going to crash. And so, like you said, Bright is obviously not stoked about this so he orders that they alert Amaro that an enemy plane has escaped and is heading his way mm-hmm. then we're back in the hospital and the Zeons the Zeon soldiers are they're asking about the enemy fighter one of the kids that's in there goes up and the soldier's trying to get him to give him some information yeah, he's right on like, hey we're not the bad guys hey, here we're just asking a couple of questions hey yeah. little fella did you see, a, you see, did you see an airplane you can tell me kid he, kicks him runs away Hey, you want some chocolate? And the kid goes, he goes, give me back my mom and dad. And then the CEO suddenly goes, ha, lost a chance of some chocolate, kid. I paused the episode at this point, or had you pause it, just burst out laughing. I'm cover- I've seen this before. I'm covering my face because I know it's going to happen. I don't yeah. want to lean on that it's happening. Oh, my God. <laughs> if, if, you, if you're watching along with us, please make sure you watch this part of this episode. Because the delivery is hilarious. Want some chocolate? Give me back my mom and dad. Ha! The delivery is Lots hilarious. Lots of chances of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Followed up immediately by another similarly uh, hilarious line. Because Amaro gets pinged by White Bay. So he, there's a buzz. And the soldier goes, hey, did you hear that? Where's that noise coming from? And this woman responds. And I says, don't know. I'm 89 years old. <laughs> Oh my god, this this crew is just amazing. They're just like, 
memeing on these <laughs> Zeon soldiers. Like, uh The troops searching through the, the area and he starts to get suspicious of Amuro because he's being blocked by his mother and he's like kind of got the blanket over his head mostly. And right. so he starts trying to like pry Amuro's mother off. And she's like, oh no, he's very sick. Uh, you don't yeah. have to leave him alone. He's so special. Yeah, he's my son. He's very sick. Leave him alone. And, you know, Amuro's in full Fetty get up. Right. So, so he, he cannot ditch this blanket. Right. As soon as the Xeon soldier leans over to try and pull the blanket off him, we hear a gunshot. Mm-hmm. And the soldier looks down and he's been shot in the chest. We don't see any of it. We don't see any blood. Right. But he's been shot in the chest. We see the hole in the blanket. Yeah. He stumbles backwards and Amuro gets up and he pulls a gun on the second soldier who immediately takes off. And Amuro chases him to the door and just starts shooting at him as he's running yeah. away. Can't hit him. Amuro, who can hit a ton of Zaku's in the Gundam, no problem, can hit the broad side of a barn. Unless he's got the gun about them. Yeah. Yeah, and he misses until his clip is empty. Not a good shot. No. He's shaking at this point. This is the first time he's shot another human directly, right? I think... Yeah. If you remember back to episode two, I think it was, when Shar and his buddies have left side seven, Amuro's in the Gundam, and he's trying to shoot at them. He makes some remark about how it's harder. He's seeing actual human beings, and it's harder for him to shoot at them. Mm-hmm. So I think this is another instance of that. There's some disconnect, I believe, when he's in the Gundam. There's some layers between it. He's in the cockpit. The Gundam's doing that. He's, the Gundam's killing another, another robot. There's a person yeah. in that robot. He doesn't have to look him in the face like he just did. Right. Amaro's mom's not stoked that her son just shot a man in front of her. And in the English, she says that he's grown so wild. But the translation in the subtitles actually said that he's grown so cruel. And he kind of snaps back at mom. He's like, would you rather them have killed me? This is war. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. And Amaro makes a classic, ridiculous leap in logic after his mom is like, yeah, but my son shouldn't be th- shooting at people. And he goes, do, do you not love me anymore? And I think, where did that come from? Even yeah. his mom was like, what? Well, how could you say that? How? What, what? And then he calls her a liar. Yeah. And then he takes off. Very angry teenager. Before he can make it very far, they're interrupted by that communication from White Base. Mm-hmm. And Sayla's like, hey, what's going on? Everything okay? Yeah, we're, yeah, we're, we're fine. Uh, so there's a, there's a plane coming your way. And he runs off to go to his core fighter. And his mom says, you weren't raised to be such a terrible, violent boy. Why can't you be more gentle like you used to be? And then she remarks that he's so cold. And she's ashamed to call him her son. Which is probably a little harsh. It might be a little retaliatory. Like, you don't love me anymore. Well, I got a lot from this episode. Amuro inherits all of his shittiness, if you will, from his mom. His mom also kind of sucks. I mean, she did let him go to yeah. space. At, like, she didn't even really put up a fight and to Tam. Not, you not know a mean? great explanation why. And no. Obviously, there's a physical appearance of similarities. They're, they're both brown hair, black eyes. They look very similar to each other. Mm-hmm. He does not look at his dad at all. No. And very much has this weird, idealistic outlook on the uh, world that his mom shares clearly gets his technical scientific mind from his dad yes and then all of his emotional traits from his his mother yeah so he's a bag of spare parts yeah (laughs) so he sprints off into the woods to get into the core fighter and head back to white base i just read here fuck you mom (laughs) this is basically what happens here and again amaro rage again right this is just another episode of him just losing his shit and he decides he's going to chase down this enemy fighter that escaped from ryu Mm mm-hmm even though he knows that there's a Xeon base on the other side of these mountains because yeah. he's already been warned by the olds. He's actively being reckless about this. Yeah, he says, I don't care. 
and he ends up straight in the line of anti-aircraft fire. And then they launch the DOPS. Watch DOPS. Okay, okay, stop DOPS. Stop DOPS. <laughs> the, the whole Xeon base sees his fighter. They get everybody scrambled. The, the fighter that was trying to escape from Ryu and Amuro crashes right outside the base, which really sucks for them because they were so close. <laughs> Xeon base, many whelps. Yeah. <laughs> or Earthside. <laughs> he gets out of there surprisingly unscathed, considering the amount of artillery that was pointed at him mm-hmm. and is quickly greeted by Kai, who's in the gun parry, mm-hmm. and offers to let Amaro try out this fancy new air docking thing that they can do. And Amaro's stoked. He's like, yeah, let's mid-air dock yeah, in the middle, in middle of combat. Of, that seems like a great idea. It'll be fun, yeah. he says. Yeah, that'll be a great exercise. Who's like, with Kai? Because the guy who with Kai is like, I don't think this is a good idea. And Kai's like, shut up. Amaro said he wants to do it, so it, let's fucking do it. I don't know. It might have been Hayato at that point, but uh, I, I don't really knows? recall. So then we go through this docking animation, which I got a funny feeling we're going to continue to see these cells of animation. <laughs> and basically, like the core fighter transforms midair mm-hmm. and they launch the Gundam's legs and he docks with it. And then they launch the upper torso of the Gundam and then that docks with right. it. It's so like a, a first, laser lock on system. The first alignment got. for the legs, perfect. The second alignment, a little wonky. I was like, ah, it's not a line yeah. Hold on. And yeah. then corrects. He corrects it go. pretty quick. And then the Gundam lands in the Xeon base, and he's just a walking death machine. Just blowing up pavement and shooting up ships as they take off and firing at enemy soldiers that are running away. Like, he has lost it. Yeah. Cut to Bright, less than stoked about this, thinks both the mid-air docking was reckless, and then they only have so much ammo. Why waste it on this tiny little Xeon base in the middle of bumfuck nowhere? Yeah, he basically calls it like a backwater Xeon base, and he's just irritated that not only did they take that huge risk with the docking that they've never done. Something happens here that we both took in two different directions. <laughs> yeah, we did. That's right. Bright is berating Amuro. And, like, Amuro's not there, so he's not berating him to his face. Yeah, he's just, just out loud. He's just bitching. out loud at that. And Mira's like, hey. And Bright turns to Amuro and he's like, oh, are you going to disagree with me? And you thought it was like, oh, I'm sorry that I upset you, my love. And yeah. I immediately took it the, the complete opposite way. Like, they're already married. Like, oh, we're going to fucking do this right now? <laughs> We're going to do this in front of my friends right now? This is just You're going to argue with me right now. And fr- we have company, but okay. we're going to do this. Fine. Oh, Fine. Don't cause a scene? Fine. Oh, I w- I'll cause a scene. Uh, I'm causing I'm a scene. I'm sorry. I'm causing I'm a scene. I'm not yelling. You haven't even begun to hear me yell. <laughs> I very much took it as like, again, in the opposite way that you did. It seemed like he was extremely upset until Mirai interjected and then it like snapped him out of it. Like, oh, I didn't mean to upset you, my love, my dear, my sweetest Mirai. But you're probably right. <laughs> Especially considering earlier scenes. Oh, we're doing this right now? Okay, fine. Yeah. Fine, let's do this right now. <laughs> <laughs> then the battle's over, and Bright goes out to meet Amuro with his mother. And he has a lot of praise for Amuro in front of his mother, even though he was just chewing him out on the ship a minute ago. Yeah, this seems to be um Bright is putting forth some respect yeah. for Amuro's mother. He doesn't want to he's gonna chastise Amuro in the white base, but he doesn't want to do that in front of He's gonna mom. make sure that Mrs. Ray knows her baby boy's a yeah, war we, hero. We need him. Yeah. We're proud of him. He's a fuck up, but he's, he's fucked up in our favor. But he's, a, times. but he's our fuck up. <laughs> and she's exasperated by all of this, but seems a little relieved when she hears how well he's doing mm. under Bright's command. And then Amuro is told by Bright that it, they got to go. And instead of offering his mom a hug or a kiss goodbye or anything, he stands up, he salutes her, and he walks away, doesn't say a word. This is kind of a weird scene. Yeah. There's just no. He's. I, I guess I, is. It very much struck me as a, something an immature teenager would do. 
upset at his mom, knowing that this is going to sting. I'm just going to salute and walk away. I'm not going to give her It shows to me the level of emotional detachment he has from a mother that did not raise him. Right. Also she, that too. She, again, I, I, I could be wrong on the number of years, but I believe they had said nine years it had been mm-hmm. that, that he was on side seven. So he was probably. Well, he was stoked to see her. And then as he was leaving. He's very excited to see her, but the, the whole reunion was disappointing. Yeah. Shit falls apart and he just leaves. Like, oh, well, that was a waste of my time. Leaves and mom falls to her knees because she's very, she's upset. Her baby boy. She gets weepy. Her baby boy is now a soldier and she did not anticipate this sort of life for him. Right. And then she watches his white base carries him away. And we don't know if she'll ever see him again. That's the end of episode 13. Episode 14. Time be still. Very dramatic episode names we got here. Sean, it's a Zeon Magic Show! I named this trick <laughs> Glory to the Principality of Zeon! Step right up! <laughs> it starts out with this magician. He's like in he's like in a pink suit. He's very excited. And he's yeah. he's doing some sort of a magic trick and birds take off. Yay! And the crowd is not fucking happy. No. They are Boo! not at all impressed. This is the worst UFO show I've seen in years. <laughs> but, but the least impressed guy is the fella polishing his Zaku. When a bird lands on it, and he just remarks that he's tired of cleaning bird shit off this thing. <laughs> he's just like, oh, these birds just come crap up my Zaku. The idea here is they're in, the, you know, in a remote base in the middle of nowhere. These right. guys, as we said earlier, are not seeing any action. This episode really hammers at home. They are bored. They're tired. They want to go home. They got a Zaku, but they're not seeing any action. What the fuck? Right. There's a good remark here. From one of the troops that war is boring. War, yeah, girls. yeah. This, this, this is all boring. There's not enough girls here. So we cut to a scene where there's three soldiers are kind of huddled around eating dinner, and they've heard a rumor that there's a Federation mobile suit around the Gundam, and it kind of sounds like they want to go after it because they think that if they're able to destroy it, they'll be able to go home. They'll be recognized as heroes, right? And then they can get out of the shithole because they're in some again some backwater base. There's bugs. They're, buzzing around the lamp. They remark about how there's too many bugs out there. Their commanding officer is kind of new and does not want to do anything crazy just yet. Yeah. So very, very safe mission. They're just a patrol around. unit. That's it. Yeah. They're and they're bored out of their skull. Yeah. Sean, it's, it's Lady Matilda. Are you going to sing the song you wrote? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot I did this in the notes. <laughs> I don't know why, but I started writing about this scene you're with taking, Matilda. You're taking notes about the scene, <laughs> and he's bouncing as he's taking the notes, and he pauses eventually like, after the scene's done. He just pauses like, I wrote a song about this. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> like, why? <laughs> I don't know. It was just the way I started writing the notes. I was like, oh, this rhymes. Oh, I should keep going with it. But no, I'm not. I'm going to do everyone a favor and not sing it. Oh, yeah, I think you should, though. <laughs> no. Matilda's here. She's talking to Bright about repairs on the white base and the Gundam. And her and Bright notice Amuro at some point. Like I'm Amuro, very teenage boy. I'm gonna. I'm gonna come eavesdrop. Check, like check out on the the chick I have the hots for. I want to scope out Matilda. Yeah. She's so cool. Gets immediately busted. They yep. tell him to go back to bed. They're even like, Mat- "Hey, soldiers need sleep." Even Matilda's like, "Cause she she's wise and knows what's going on." Oh, she knows. She knows how hot she is. Hey, it's like Bright said. Yeah, you need to go to the bed. Yep. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Okay, didn't mean to disturb you. So he he takes off, and she talks to Bright about how they still don't have any supplies for White Base, but that he's being promoted. Yeah, to Ensign. There's a lot of things that happen like in one sentence. It's the weirdest way to give someone a field promotion. But she explains that we don't have any more supplies for you. 
a lot of the commanding officers are stuck in a conflict in Europe right now, so we actually don't have any spare uh, command, uh, commanders to come in and relieve you of your duty, Ensign Bright. Um, but we're going to have you continue doing what you're doing because we found that amateurs actually devise more interesting tactics than professionals do. And Bright's like, so we're guinea pigs? What the fuck? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I got promoted? I got promoted? What? <laughs> then she makes the comment like, yeah, well, you would have been court-martialed if Revel didn't say anything about it like right. three months ago. And then the translation says, executed? What? Yeah. <laughs> a little disparity there. But we cut then to Amaro, tail between his legs. Heading back into white base. Heading back into white base. Probably going to go, you know, rolling out. Wishing for Matilda just to yell directly into his penis. <laughs> oh. <laughs> He's walking back inside, and Frau is outside of his quarters in a giant officer's like trench coat, and what we can assume is nothing underneath. That's that's the assumption <laughs> I made. Now, I I know you can see she's wearing like, like a nightgown, or a nightgown or something under it, but um, but I was just like Sean, when a lady shows up at your door and she's wearing a trench coat, and you don't see anything else. Right? That's all she's wearing. Right. She's there for reasons. Yeah. Frau. Is jealous of Matilda. It's been established in an earlier episode. Armor is coming back. Frau's like, where, where are you going? Uh, the bathroom. Bathroom's the other way there, chief. Uh, uh whatever. Whatever, Frau And then Armor asks Frau what's wrong. And Frau goes, nothing's wrong. And then they takes off like angry teenage girl. Like, you don't understand yeah. me. I'm sending you all these messages, you dumb boy. He's so stupid. He is, he is stupid. I mean, I was a stupid teenage boy once too, so I, I get it. But, but it works out for Frau in the end. I know, but. Come on, man. Yeah. We cut back to the bridge, and there's more sad Frabo as she watches Amro kind of longingly gaze at Matilda's ship as it takes off. Right. Bright asks Amro if he's eaten yet. Yeah, and, and, and he, he doesn't answer the first time. Dozing off, like, Matilda. Even her ship is pretty. <laughs> Yo, did you eat? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I did that. Definitely. Go yeah. eat. Uh, okay. On it. Matilda's on her Medea transport, and they spot a Xeon ship, and they're trying to... Stay low so they can avoid it. The Xeon ship also spots them. And they suspect that her ship is the one that's resupplying the Trojan horse. Like Chief Corrin said. We forgot to mention earlier, too, by the way, that Chief Corrin just gets more and more cross-eyed the longer this episode goes. Every scene they cut to, it's just it's worse and worse. It's absolutely going to be the (laughs) podcast art for this episode. A hundred percent. Just peak cross-eyed. Anyway, they notice Matilda's ship and they take off in these, they got these cool little hovercraft things that they're on. They're like, yeah, some kind of speeder bike things. They're neat. They also have their one Zaku out there, which spots the transport ship and starts lighting it up. And they manage to hit the container at first, to which the pilot remarks, they've hit the container. And Matilda's like, just keep going. Yeah. And then they hit the engine. We cut to the white base and... Engineer is telling Bright what's going on. The uh, Matilda's transport's under attack. Immediately, armor comes to the screen. Matilda? Matilda? Look at him. I'll go out and get him. I'll save the day. And Bright's like, are you sure? He's like, I got this. <laughs> he has never been so ready. Already in the comic, ready to go. Honestly, though, this is great. And I didn't even think about this at the time, but this is great because our boy's been down. Matilda mm-hmm. clearly, in, regardless of how it gets done, Matilda yeah. clearly inspires something in him. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he's ready to go, whereas last episode... He was getting slapped around and, Sweat, and dragged into his gun. thrown in the gun. And this is a great improvement. Own. Yeah. Which is exactly why he should give Frau Bo a little attention, you know? But anyway, so he launches and starts pursuing the Xeon ship so the Medea can get out of there. And 
Then he engages the Zaku in Battle in the Woods. He notices one of those speeder things show up, and he tries to take a shot at it, but it's too tiny, and it... It does duck. blow up. The guy gets yeah. launched. Cause yeah, that's right. He does, like, <laughs> he's trying to swat a mosquito with a bazooka. Pretty much. <laughs> but then the Zaku pops out, mm-hmm. and so they have an actual fight going. Amuro notices that they're entirely unprotected. Like, these are not armored vehicles. Yeah. They're Still hasn't pieced together what they're trying to do. Right. He starts shaking for no reason. He comments on it. He's like, I, like what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Just can't fire on them. But he manages to compose himself. Probably thinks of Matilda real quick. Hey, oh, yeah, that's right. And he fires at them, and they disperse into the woods. He, he takes that one out early, but the rest of them take off. And then he shoots a bazooka into the forest because Amuro hates trees. Mm-hmm. Clearly. Not really a big arborist. <laughs> More like a big arsonist. Uh, Corrin's crew flies up to the Gundam at this point on those little vehicles, and they just start sticking them mm-hmm. with what we learn are plastic explosives all over the place. And he, he, he makes a comment to the crew like, anywhere you see a weak spot, which I don't know how they're, they're telling, but whatever. Joyce in the armor, on the shield, at the Gundam's uh, cockpit area, on the neck, I think, uh, on one of the legs, all over the place. Just all over the place. And so... There's six bombs total. Yeah, that sounds right. They take off after they've planted the explosives, and they start shooting at the bombs, commenting like, hey, all we gotta do is hit one of these and this thing blows up. Right. Unfortunately, the only one that they can hit is the one that's on the shield, which does manage to cut the shield in half. Like, half the shield blows off. Blows the shield in half. Amaro is, what the fuck? And then he puts two and two together and realizes, oh, they've planted explosives all over the Gundam. And then Amaro summons the wind. (laughs) He just starts, like, waving around the half shield, like, in circles, and, like, manages to use the gusts of wind to push these tiny little vehicles away. It's very much... Like you said earlier, like he's swatting at flies. Right. But then he calls Bright and he's like, oh shit, Bright! They got bombs on me! Not a great situation. No. So Bright orders bomb expert Omer, mm-hmm. who apparently has been on the ship the whole time. They just have a bomb expert. Hey, what's Omer? Going on? He showed yeah. up. He stayed behind for Matilda, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he orders him to the Gundam. Quarren and his group are out in the woods and he, he's such an idiot. He's like, oh man, I wish we could detonate these remotely. That'd be pretty cool, huh? Yeah, one of the other people on his crew make a comment like, well, we're just some podunk base. We don't get, yeah. we don't get the good equipment. So they got explosives. They don't have remote detonators. <laughs> Let's just uh, hang out here in the woods with these binoculars that I can't use because I'm terribly cross-eyed. <laughs> so Omer is x-raying the bombs, and Amro notes to Bright that they're attached magnetically, and if you remove them, they explode. We also learn from the gang of fellows that they're going to explode in 30 minutes anyway. So either way, they're going off. Then suddenly Amaro only has 12 minutes. I don't know what happened to, I guess, maybe since they've been planted, right? Mm-hmm. It's been 18 minutes. So Amaro now only has 12 minutes to remove what they think are five bombs with this cool bomb diffusing machine. Omer, by the way, only has one line. I'm pretty sure he just says, yeah, that's right. <laughs> He's just confirming what Amaro is telling Bright. Yeah. That's it. Great bomb expert we got here. So Bright says, all right, everybody get back in the white base. I'm going to disarm these bombs. I'm the commanding officer. It's my job. And Amuro's like, no, Gundam is my responsibility. Right. He knows how to defuse them, or he's pretty sure he knows how. Because again, I don't even know why Amuro's there. Um, <laughs> he's a bomb expert, Sean. He's like, Gundam is my responsibility. There's no reason for you or anyone else to risk their lives. I'll take care of it. I go out in the Gundam every day and risk my life. Anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. Yeah. Everyone get back to the white base. Oh, I got this. So then we have these continual cuts between the Xeon soldiers in the woods and white base and they're just both 
very panically watching Amuro for completely different reasons. So the crew looks on, Amuro takes a bomb off, and then we cut back to the woods, and they notice he's taking a second bomb off, and then a third. It's very much that scene from Return of the Jedi when they're on Jabba's yacht, and they're just looking at each other. <laughs> just an extended version of that. It's just... Burp, burp, and then, burp. And then R2, R2 readies the lightsaber. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but they keep cutting back and forth between yeah. the the, uh, the Zeon crew and the white base crew and, and Amuro and the Zeon crew and the white base crew, and then just like, What's gonna happen? They drag out. They say eight minutes. They drag it out for fifteen minutes. I was gonna say I'm pretty sure it's eight real time minutes. Like it's it's most of this episode on white base. Frabo is just in tears, and she's like, "Why the fuck are we just sitting here watching? Like we need to go help him." And Mirai stops her, and she makes some sort of comment about how restraint is also honorable or brave. Uh, yeah. yeah, she says she calls everyone cow- Frau calls everyone cowards for just sitting around and doing nothing while Armor is out there risking his life. And Mirai is like. Restraint is bravery too. Like, don't be a fool. Don't go out there and also risk your life for no goddamn reason. He's got this. We believe in him. Sit your ass down, girl. <laughs> and she calls Mirai a coward too. Yeah. Amaro's now on his fourth bomb and he's just imagining himself blowing up, which is not what you want to do. Probably really great while you're defusing bombs. And then there's just like lots of exposition by the, the Zeon troops and they're joking about how Amaro is so brave that, hey, maybe we should recruit him to our side. And they all have a good laugh about it. Just a lot of dialogue. This this felt a lot like a filler episode. Like yeah. like it could have been half this length, but and granted, when this is cut, we're seeing one event after another, after another, after another. They're probably overlapping. Sure. The time's probably a little more condensed, but at the same time, it just feels like again, we're stretching real eight minutes in real time. Yeah. Has passed at this point, and he should have been blown up, and he's not blown up yet. He is not. Because Amaro's eventually on the last bomb and it is under It's under the foot. It's under the f- is it the foot or the leg? Anyway, it's the foot because he starts cl- digging under the Gundam. It's too close to the ground. Yeah. He starts, he starts frantically digging for what feels like three minutes. Half the crew run out. Bright's like, no, stay, no, I don't want you to just get back in the ship. They don't listen. They all run out. Some of them foolishly help Amaro dig. Hayato's the only one who has enough sense about him to go into the cockpit and actually raise the limb to get the Amaro enough for him to get the bomb off. Right. They do. They pack all the bombs into an ATV. Mm-hmm. And Kai's like, all right, I'm gotten this. I'm going to drive one kilometer out. I don't know why he was super specific about this. At this point, he supposedly only has a minute and 20 seconds left. Not yeah. even. And he has to drive a whole kilometer out on an ATV that has six wheels and apparently going 80 miles an hour. Barely makes it there, but is, it, is able to make it there, dump them and drive back and get caught in the tail end of the explosion, but not in the middle of the explosion. Math again doesn't add up here. <laughs> this is, yeah. It, it, I, I remember pausing and going, it's going a kilometer. How fast do you think this thing moves? Yeah, like, we, started, we yeah. started doing some really we, rough, we, like, college dorm room math. <laughs> <laughs> this explosion is huge. Yeah. Sur- surprisingly. Well, the first bomb was able to slice the shield in half. Yeah. So, And I guess he's dumping, like, five or six that they yeah. have taken off the Gundam, but it was pretty intense. And obviously, the Xeon troops are not super stoked that the Gundam has survived because that means that, but they also laugh. Like, yeah. oh, I guess we're not going home. Yeah. Yeah. They, oh, yeah. well, Hey, good attempt fellas. We cut back to Amaro and the white base crew. And once again, Frabo is making sure that Amaro eats. She's, she's making giving him, some, giving him some drink here, making sure he stays hydrated. Amaro is appreciative. And the station wagon approaches and bright and Mirai are immediately suspicious They're, of like, what, what is this? What, what is this civilian vehicle doing out here? Right. right. 
And there's all these like muscly dudes and tank tops. Well, pull is this up. a Xeon mobile suit? Oh, no, I don't think so. It's probably a Federation one. Oh, hey, is that the pilot? Hey, Mr. Pilot. Hey, Mr. Pilot. Yeah, they, they say that they saw the explosion. And so that's why they were driving out there, I guess. But they keep referring to Amaro as Mr. Pilot. And they wish him good luck. Yeah. They say, hey, keep up the good fight. Or keep up, keep so- up the good work, Pilot. And they drive off. And Amaro makes a comment about... Oh, I'm so jealous of people who can live on Earth. It's just so carefree. And then we cut the bright mirror. I was like, those are the dudes that try to fucking bomb the Gundam. And Bright goes, yeah. 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 I'm pretty, pretty sure. Pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the end of that episode. All right. So episode 15 is the last one we're going to cover on this podcast. This is a weird one. This is uh, a very, very weird one. Episode 15 was not translated into English. No. It was not played in the United States. No. If you, if you are following along. You may or may not have actually seen this episode at all because it did not come out in the States. Tomino said it does not hold up um, and asked for it to be cut. And boy, was he right. Yeah. This episode's a little rough. This is called Kukuru's Dones Island. And uh, just a fun little fact for you. I typed in the word Kukuru's into Google earlier and I found out that it's Romanian for corn. Oh. Yeah. Half the results were that and the rest were Gundam. Corn Dones Island. Yeah, it's like <laughs> corn or like a, a harvest maze. That's what that translates to. Man, I wish this episode was in English, mostly because this intro is an extremely detailed map of all the Lagrangian points mm-hmm. and where all the sides are. And it's it's all narrated. And we, we finally get this broader sense of like, OK, this is where the Xeon colony is. This is where side seven was, where they escaped from. It's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate that that part was not cut and included in another episode because that part is actually very well done. But this episode opens up with Gun Perry and after their mid-air conversion that Bright was not stoked about a couple episodes ago, they're doing exercises trying to figure out how quickly they can convert a core fighter into the Gundam. And they manage to get it to 19 seconds flat to which Bright remarks, too slow. He wants 15 seconds, at a bare minimum. And they kind of ponder if that's even possible. But they're interrupted by what is referred to as a Federation Air Force SOS. This is the first time I've heard of the Federation Air Force. Mm. I don't know if the Federation military is divided into branches like the U.S. military or. It is, but this is the first time we're getting a, yeah. a sense of that. So this SOS comes through and Bright rings up Amaro on the future space phone. <laughs> still corded, by the way, and sends him to point three oh five. It's wherever the signal is coming from. Yeah. It's just a generic distress signal. Not a lot of detail with it. Sends him off to check it out. Right. So he takes off in the core fighter, which there's this really funny scene where Gundam is like bent over. Like it's, I don't know how to word this eloquently, about to receive, <laughs> we'll say. Right? The Gundam has assumed the position. Yes. <laughs> it's on its hands and knees. It separates at the core. The knees kind of bend back a little bit to give the core uh, fighter some room to launch. And it launches out. And it's the weirdest animation. It's the weirdest thing. And even Rio is like, it's kind of weird seeing the Gundam like this. Yeah. Because now the torso of the Gundam is being held up only by its hands. There's a giant gap in the center. And then there's just these disembodied robot legs hanging out behind it. And it's, it's and it's the proportions are all weird. It's very whole, strange. Yeah. It's, it's a little off putting. I imagine that this launching the core fighter out of the Gundam's crotch probably translated into toys very well. It's got crotch launch <laughs> action. <laughs> workshop <laughs> so amaro is flying up to this island which is where point 305 is and he notices on the coast there's a downed federation craft so 
He lands the core fighter and he runs up to the cockpit and inside there are two t- pilots that are tied up. Mm-hmm. So he radios white base to let them know what he's found. And he tries tending to their wounds, but one of the pilots immediately doesn't make it. And he kind of wonders like how they ended up like this before he can do anything else. He starts getting pelted with rocks that are like coming out of the bushes. So he takes the pilot that has survived and kind of brings him behind the hull of the fighter. And then he just starts unloading his gun into the bushes, shooting at whatever's throwing these rocks at him. The, the rocks stop and he climbs into the bushes and then he gets assaulted by flaming sticks. And at this point, I'm just like, what the fuck is happening in this episode? Right. And then he notices it's just a bunch of kids. Just a couple of kids just throwing flaming bundles of sticks at him. And I immediately think, man, they cut this episode because it's Lord of the Flies. <laughs> Unfortunately, I was wrong. So Amaro is trying to get them to stop throwing fire at him. And Azaku shows up. And it's Stone of Kukuru Stone. Is it? The name of the episode. Uh, th- does it even say it's him? The kids remark, it's, it, they it's do. stone. Okay. It's stone. Honestly, this episode is fairly forgettable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're going to forget that we did this immediately after. And so the kids rat out Amaro to Doan. They're like, oh, he's a Federation pilot and whatever. I don't even know what they say. And Doan's like, all right, I don't want to fight you, dude, but I need you to hand over your weapons. And Amaro's like, fuck that. I'm not handing over my weapons. Gets in the core fighter, immediately takes off. And I'm thinking like, oh, he's going to try and just escape and go back to white base like a smart person. Like but a nope. smart, sane, rational human being, which he, he is not. He's going to start engaging the Zaku. So he starts firing at him, but he can't hit him. And then this really cool thing happens where Amuro shoots a missile at the Zaku. And the Zaku retaliates by throwing a rock at the missile and blowing it up, mm. which causes Amuro to uh, land his fighter in the ocean. Right. He loses control, spirals in. Not great. Makes a water landing, <laughs> as, they, as they call it. Then Amaro wakes up, and he's in a cabin, in a, in a bed, and he opens the door, and the sun just blinds him. My notes are so cryptic here, it's great. Birds. A barefoot man with water. Revved up like a deuce? Yeah, I wrote he's blinded by the light. Oh. Revved up like a deuce. Other runner. Yeah, there you blinded, go. Blinded. Okay. okay. <laughs> and then he sees someone in front of him, and it's this lady carrying water. And we find out her name is Roland. She's got green hair. And she tells him, this is Kukuru's Dunn's house. And he saved you. And you should hang out here until your wounds are healed. And Amaro's in his boxers. That's important to note, because he stays in his boxers for, for a good chunk of the episode. A good chunk of this episode. And he's like, no, I gotta, where's, where's this Dunn guy? I gotta get my, my core fighter back. And she's like, oh, he's, he's out back with the kids. So he heads out back, and the kids are like, they're like farming or something. And he's all business in his boxers here. Uh, <laughs> Immediately wants to know where his fighter is. And so Don explains to him, hey, I've got to protect these kids, especially from the Xeon. And Amuro is like, fuck you. I'm going to go find my ship. And then they just have this montage of all the places that Amuro looks. Is it in this waterfall? Amuro is on top of a mountain. Is it on the mountain? He can't find it. He goes for a swim in the ocean, thinking like maybe they put it underwater. None of these places. No. If he had Blue's Clues, I'll have him out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He got all the clues wrong. (laughs) The scene changes back to the cabin that Amuro was in, which we see from a bird's eye view now is not finished. And the kids are just building this thing. They're clearly Amish children (laughs) putting this place together very quickly. Roland finds Amuro on the beach watching the sunset. And she starts to remark about how beautiful the sunset is. And Amuro is all like, fuck the sun. I don't have time to deal with how beautiful the sunset is. (laughs) I have a core fighter to find. This is the only reason I'm very happy that we did watch this episode is this scene right here because 
Amaro tells her that Doan is lying to these children, right? I think he thinks that Doan has probably kidnapped these kids or something. Or so, yeah. And Roland is like, you don't know Doan. You should go talk to him. But when he calls Doan a liar, she slaps him across the face. That's right. Number seven. Seven slap. So our count would have been inaccurate the entire time. So this is Japan got a whole extra slap. They did. They did. We're going to keep count throughout the entire series. We would have missed one Mm -hmm. had we not watched this episode. So I'm excited that we did. (laughs) So this is Japanese slap number seven. Mm -hmm. That'll be important later. I noted something funny here that at this point, Roland could have just been a figment of Amaro's imagination because she's interacted with zero other people on this island. Yeah, she could be like the janitor from Scrubs. (laughs) (laughs) She's only there when Amaro was by himself. But she tells him, hey, you should go talk to Doan. Find him yourself. We cut to Ryu, who's out looking for Amaro, and then we're on White Base, and Frau and Bright are very concerned. They haven't heard from him all day. They don't know where he is. Mm-hmm. And then we're at Doan, and he's in bed, and he's having the meat sweats, as you <laughs> remarked when we were watching this. Yeah, he's having a bad dream. He's having a nightmare about the kids. They're crying over the dead mom. Must have been killed by Izaku. I put two and two together, and we find out this to be accurate later on. Doan killed these kids' parents. Yes. By accident or otherwise. Obviously, he feels responsible. I mean, like like I said on the onset, this episode is bad for a number of reasons. Mostly, it's kind of trite and very predictable. So, sure. Don't kill these kids' parents. He feels responsible for them. He has to protect them. We find out some more nuanced details about this later, like why he's like anti-gun and some other stuff. Yeah. So Yeah, there's a reason that Zaku hit that missile with a rock, and it's because it doesn't have any weapons on it. Right. Unfortunately, my thoughts from earlier are, proven false here because we see that Roland is in one of the beds so I guess, I guess she is a real person Joan wakes up and he's at a computer or something and then Roland wakes up and comes to talk to him and she kind of asks him like what are we going to do about the boy and Doan basically says like well he better cooperate or things could get difficult something along those lines but the subtext of this is yeah he's going to cooperate or I'm going to have to kill him mm-hmm. Then Amuro wakes up and apparently he has spent the night in a cave or something because he's like <laughs> out in front of a beach cave and the kids are back throwing rocks at him again. No one slept well in this episode, Sean. No, the, you make it out here asking if Rio's hungover. I don't think he's hungover. <laughs> no, he's not. I think the entire crew spent most of the night searching for Amuro. Do they always make the operators sleep in their chairs up there? I don't think so. <laughs> Bright makes a comment to Rio, like, oh, I guess we both didn't sleep well. And Rio's like, I guess not. And he's like, immediately up at attention because Bright is Rio's commanding officer. He's like, oh, yeah. sorry. Uh, oh. I'm, I'm up. Oh, I'm here. But he's holding the blanket in his hands. still like, uh, sorry. And when they cut to the operator after, he's like, got his head down. He's like putting his glasses on like, oh, I'm awake too. <laughs> They've, they think located Amaro. So they send Ryu back out in the core fighter to go see if that's what's going on. But what they probably were picking up is this lagoon fighter that the Zaku is using like a sweet hang glider mm-hmm. to head towards the island. I was pretty impressed by that. It's kind of cool. And of course, because the Zeons are the bad guys and absolute monsters, they unload on the kids and immediately take out the entire cabin very quickly. It's all right. They'll, they'll be able to rebuild it real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. So Doan rushes the kids to the waterfall cave, to which I remarked, of course they have a secret waterfall cave, Mm -hmm. because why wouldn't they? I assume that's where he stores his Zaku. Then Ryu shows up, and Doan has engaged in fighting the the Zeon Zaku with his Zaku. White Bay shows up. They launch the Gundam. They do that sweet mid-air conversion. 
No, they say they're going to do that sweet mid-air conversion. That's right. And then they don't actually do the mid-air conversion. They don't reuse that animation. They use a different animation from a different uh, episode yeah. where Armoro's out in the core fighter. And they, like, hook him. They hook him. Yo, hook him, Jay! Yeah. No, they hook him, get him back in the hangar, and then just convert in white base as normal. Yeah, he, he, he totally makes a comment like, oh, I bet I could do a mid-air conversion here. And then doesn't. And then they do not. Yeah. Very strange, but he's explained to Ryu, like, one of those Zakus is the good guy Zaku. They get the lagoon down, and then this is where we, we know for sure Don has no weapons on his Zaku. Right. So I guess they're just going to have like a Zaku dance off or something. But no way, Sean. He's going to show him his mobile suit martial arts. Yeah, what? I, <laughs> I don't know. Armuro has a similar reaction to what I just had. Like, like what? <laughs> okay. Which I guess just means running at the other Zaku and then punching him in the chest so hard that the his reactor explodes at his back. Yeah. Uh, it's very much a Mortal Kombat fatality. Finish him. <laughs> so the other Zaku goes down and goes out into the ocean, and then yeah, the one, the one, the one punch music plays. <laughs> one punch <laughs> and scene. Uh, Don remarks to Amaro, he's like, "Hey, yeah, I I killed their parents. It was a stray round, and the Zeons wanted me to murder everybody on the island, and I I couldn't, couldn't so I left the Zeons, and now I have to protect the kids." That's pretty much the end of the episode. Yeah. There's one Amaro last scene here. Takes in the gun and he takes these uh, Donzaku and he throws them in the ocean. Because he makes a comment of like, do you think they keep finding you because you yeah. have the scent of battle on you? Yeah. Don, Don makes a comment about how they're going to keep coming for him until he's dead. Right. To which I was thinking like, maybe you should entrust the children to someone else. Mm. But Amaro's thought process is, no, they can smell the Zaku. <laughs> so he just throws it into the ocean. I, I'm I'm assuming this is, a, this is a large leap in logic. I'm assuming he's trying to make it look like Doan died. He's trying to make it Doan fake his own death by okay. throwing the Zaku in the ocean. Um, it is not communicated at all. Like you, like we said, they use the line "scent of battle" or something like yeah. that. Um, the kids are upset because he threw the Zaku. They, yeah, they're pissed. Yeah, Doan's like, no, he did a good thing. He did a good thing. What that boy did was a good thing. And the kids are like, but he just threw the cool robot into the ocean. You Now who's going to play with me? What the fuck? (laughs) I'd be pissed, too. The way I interpreted it was maybe there's some sort of tracking device on the Zakus, and that is giving the Zeon this signal that, like, they have a mobile suit on this island, and so they keep returning to try and... Yeah. They probably contract the the monosky particles i mean the whole island probably smells like cinnamon it does cinnamon <laughs> toast crunch but that's it that's um, the end of this episode we, man it's a weird one you can certainly see why they decided to cut it and yeah if you have not seen it you have not missed much i would say aside from the slap which i will gif and put on the internet for your amusement mm-hmm. uh this i'm proud episode, of you said gif did, i did it for you <laughs> this episode is pretty skippable yeah. Of the episodes we've seen in this chunk, this one kind of sucks. It's not great. Yeah. We open up next uh, next one, uh, episode, we open up with a banger. That's what I hear. Yeah. Our girl, best girl, Sailor's S- some action. Sailor's agony. Well, this was kind of a weird chunk of episode, Sean. I'm not going to lie. There was the opposite. There was some it's, downs. It starts, saw, it starts saw, off really strong. Yeah, we saw our boy uh, Romba Ron. I... <laughs> <laughs> Ramba Ron Swanson. Ramba, Someone make that fan art, please. <laughs> Ramba Ron and his uh, his wife Tammy. <laughs> Tammy too. Tammy too. Yeah. 
but we have some weird downs, some weird. This was the very first episode with Selena just falling 200 feet. Yeah. To plank to her death. No reason. And then we had this last episode that is uh, kind of a hot mess. Just weird. Yeah. It's not great. But don't worry. Next week, we will be back again in full force with hopefully what is a good chunk of episodes. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. But we're still on this crazy journey to the end. So are you enjoying it so far? I am. You're new to the series. I've watched all of this and then some. Had you seen this episode before? This episode? No. Okay. And I'm now regret that I have. (laughs) (laughs) Cannot get that 25 (laughs) minutes of my life back. I have seen the rest of the series and other series. I've enjoyed it. I'm a nerd like that, though. You coming in brand new. We're about a third of the way in. How do you feel? I feel like a couple of these episodes especially could have been cut, but I'm enjoying it more than I thought I would for a cartoon that's this old. Funny you should say that because when they compile these into movies, a lot of the shit did get cut. That doesn't surprise me. (laughs) That doesn't surprise me. And we'll get to the movies when I think when we're done with all this. Yeah, I think that's the plan. Yeah. Hey, can you not get enough of us in your life? I can't get rid of you. You struggling (laughs) to, uh... How do I get less of you? You miss us during the week? Don't worry, we got you covered. This isn't all that Sean and I do. We share a Twitch channel where we broadcast mostly space and retro video games. You can follow us at twitch.tv slash thevoxelist if you want to check out the antics we get to over there. We just finished our run of Final Fantasy VI the yeah, other day. As of, uh, it'll be a week ago. It'll be a week ago at this point. Um, we'll have moved on to our next game, which we're still debating, but it'll be clear by, that one, by the time you're listening. Yeah, by the time you hear this, you will know. And if you'd like to, you can also give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Voxelist. You can find me on Twitter at Justin Meter. And Sean, where can the fine folks at home find you? Uh, at The Action Boots. If you have questions, comments, corrections, you want to send us a fun Gundam meme, you can send it to podcast at thevoxelist.com. And, of course, as always, if you're feeling generous and you'd like to support the show, you can do so by making a small contribution over at anchor.fm slash three times faster. Uh, we promise to not spend all of the money on Gundam. <laughs> Probably. Maybe. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you again next week. <laughs>